0: Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com spoken. That's linkedin.com spoken. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, followers. If you enjoy today's work and would like to hear more from this author... Be sure to check out his channel. You may enjoy what you find. Link in the description. Now, let's delve into the dark together. There was a running joke in my family for many years. It was always the ladies who said it, never the men, as if the guys were in on some secret the woman didn't know about. There goes the werewolf. My mother and aunts would say as grandpa was going out the door, hat in hand. He always disappears on full moons and never comes back until the morning. As children, we would laugh along with them, not understanding the true reasons for his leaving. The years went on, and my grandfather, who I called my Opa, kept disappearing on full moons until he was no longer able to walk. Soon after that, he was admitted to the hospital and came down with a bad infection passing away a short time later from a myriad of complications. Strangely, after his death, my dad took up the tradition of disappearing during full moons. He never did it before Opa passed away, but suddenly, he started exhibiting the exact same behavior. I'm heading out, he would say to my mother, putting on his coat and leaving the house right before sunset. I'll see you in the morning. Again. You really are turning into your father. My mom would call after him as he hurried down the porch steps, sometimes jogging or running as if late for an appointment. She didn't realize how right she was. Eventually, I moved away and went to college, found a girlfriend and got engaged, married and bought a house. If you want to sum up my entire life in one sentence, I guess that about does it except something happened recently, derailing that one-sentence description of my existence and turned it into a rambling run-on with no end in sight. My father called and told me he needed to talk to me about something. He said it was important and couldn't wait. I needed to come over right away. What is it? I asked, once we were finally alone in his basement man cave. He poured two glasses of scotch halfway to the brim, then added a bit more for good measure. He handed me one of the glasses, and I took it, eyeing him suspiciously. I don't drink, I reminded him. Trust me, you'll want that. He sat down on a leather chair across from me, the fire roaring beside him. I took a tentative sip and winced at the burn, smacking my lips to try and appreciate the taste, then set the glass down on the table beside me. I've been trying to keep this from you as long as possible. I have to tell you something important about your Opa. Opa's been dead for years. I smiled nervously. You're not losing your memory, are you, Dead? My memory's fine. Just listen, okay? Your Opa had a secret, and now it's my secret, and I have to pass it on to you. It's important. Okay. Just trust me. All right, I said nervously and took another sip of the drink. The burn wasn't as bad this time. and was more of a warmth that coated my throat and sizzled in my stomach. You remember how Opa always disappeared on full moons? Did you ever wonder why he did it and why I started doing it right after he died? It had been a while since I'd thought about it. I just accepted it as part of life at a certain point, like a strange parental family tradition. I had semi-forgotten my dad's odd habit of escaping the house on full moons. Looking back at his face, I was surprised by how many new wrinkles had formed around his eyes when I hadn't been paying attention. It occurred to me how often I looked at him without really looking at him. I always thought it was an excuse for you to go out with the guys, to go drinking or to strip clubs or something. Some of your friends tried to convince me you were in a cult, but I told them that was ridiculous. I thought about whether or not I should say my last thoughts, and it slipped out anyways. A guy at college said you were probably in the mafia. I looked at his somber face and felt my chest grow tighter. Then he burst out laughing, breaking the tension. I laughed along with him, still feeling that stone of dread in my belly. I'm not Nicole or the Mafia. Okay, well, what is it then? His face turned grave again. He took a sip of his drink, then he took another and another. Finally... After several more long moments of silence, he stood up. "'Let's go for a walk,' he said. "'You need to see it to believe it.' I followed him reluctantly. My father took me out to the woods behind his house, which led deep into a forested wilderness that stretched on for a long, long ways. There was no path, but he seems to know exactly where he was going.' as he trudged through the thick grass and brush, leading me deeper and deeper into the woods. "'What the hell are we doing out here?' I asked him, slapping at a mosquito which landed on my neck, leaving a pool of blood on my palm. "'You'll see,' was all he would say. We walked for a long time, mostly without conversation, through the dark forest far from the path. Finally, we reached my father's intended destination— a little clearing with a few logs situated around a fire pit. It was evening, and sun was an hour or so away. A full moon was waiting, bloated behind the horizon. I glanced over and was alarmed to see a few chains attached to a tree nearby. My eyes traced down the length of them to a set of steel manacles. Dad, what are those chains for? I asked, getting scared. He must have heard the fear in my voice and tried to reassure me. It's okay, son, he said, his eyes locked onto mine. You know I would never hurt you in a million years, right? I nodded. Good. Now, I need you to trust me. Can you do that? Can you trust me? I nodded again. Tears swelling up in my eyes for reasons I didn't understand. Listen, we have a bit of time. There's no big rush. That's why I brought you out here early. There's a few things I need to tell you, and some are going to be easier to believe than others. But they're all true. And when I ask you to... Well, when I ask you to do what I need you to do, I need you to not ask any questions. I need you to just do it. Then trust me, okay? I guess, as long as it's not too crazy. I said, trying to keep it together. Just tell me already. I'm dying of suspense over here. He motioned for me to sit on one of the logs next to the fire bed. I did so, and he began to build a fire. Despite his age, he could still do it quicker than anyone I'd ever met. I watched him set it alight and it roared up in an instant inferno. He sat down on a log and his eyes met mine again. My soul felt like it was leaving my body as he spoke his next words. I'm dying, son. It's the big sea. I couldn't even respond. All I could do was sit there with my mouth hanging open. Staring across the fire at him, the embers popped and sparks flew into the air between us. It's my colon, which means it's everywhere else, too, according to the doctors. They did the tests, gave me a few options. Chemo and radiation will extend my life, probably, but no guarantees. And there will be side effects. I saw how that went with your grandmother, and I'm not going to go through that. Which means I'm gonna finish things all natural. I opened my mouth to speak, but he cut me off before I could say a word. It's my choice, so don't argue. They've given me a few months at most, maybe less. I don't know how I'm gonna look in a week or a month, so I need to tell you all this now, while I still can, while my mind is still sharp. You understand? I was in shock, unsure of what to say. It wouldn't sink in for several more days, so at that moment I just stood up and gave him a big hug, squeezing him tight until he made a pained noise. For the first time, I noticed how thin he'd gotten lately. My arms used to have trouble making it all the way around his waist, but now I felt his ribs and the lack of a belly. Again, I'd been looking at him, but not really seeing him for a while. What else do you need to tell me? I said, after saying all the other things that you say when someone you love tells you they're dying. It sounded important, But whatever it was, about Opa. He nodded, looking solemn. Yeah, unfortunately, that's even worse news. I really don't, I don't want to tell you about this. I have no choice, though. You have to understand that I tried. And there's no way out of it. Like the cancer. It's a part of me. It's a part of us. Just remember. No matter what. That I tried. You don't need to go through that, Okay? This is a curse. An irreversible one. That has been passed down to my side of the family. And my side alone. Only the men are afflicted with it. Never the women we try to keep it from them so they don't have to live with the guilt and the pain that we do. I prayed for your mother to have a girl. You have to believe me. I prayed you would not be born into this. What are you talking about, Dad? The cancer? Are you saying there's some sort of family curse? That's crazy. I mean, genetics play a part, I'm sure, but that's... No. He cut me off. We can die from diseases just like any mortal. The stories are all wrong about that. We're merely men with a terrible curse. I waited for him to explain in plain English and hoped that eventually he would get around to it. The sun was drawing closer and closer to the horizon, and that felt like an important detail for some reason, like an hourglass running out of sand. He stood up and pointed to his belt. It was old, and I realized it was the same one my grandfather had worn. It was a silver wolf head which comprised the buckle. This belt is special, sir. It holds an ancient power. It was passed down to me by my father, Europa, and it was given to him by your father before him, going back for hundreds and hundreds of years. This belt is what gives us our power, but it also carries with us a great curse. I stared at him, wondering what the hell he could possibly be talking about. Just listen, he said, as if reading my mind. In about half an hour, you won't need to believe my words. You'll see it for yourself. It's a full moon tonight, Jason. And that means I'm going to turn it into something else. A thing that's not quite a man and not quite a wolf. It's somewhere in between. What? I nearly screamed. That's insane. Dad, this is all nuts. I thought maybe the cancer was affecting his mind. What other reason could there be for such a bizarre lie? Instead of debating with me, he just continued as if I hadn't spoken. This bell is a symbol of our power, but it's more than that. It carries with it our strength and our curse. If you should ever lose it, it'll haunt you. Every death you see on the news over your burden to bear, for you have forsaken your sworn duty. The dead will come to you in your dreams, and you will never truly rest again. Hear my words, son, and remember them. I sat back down on the wooden log, landing hard on my ass and nearly toppling it over. Dad, come on, you're you're kidding me, right? Is this a joke? He shook his head. I wish it was, son, but it's very real, and I'm going to prove it to you. No, Dad, you don't have to do that. I yelled, but but he ignored me. He stood up and walked over to the tree where chains and manacles were attached. I followed after him, running to catch up. Despite his age, he could still move quickly, and the fire he had started was still roaring behind us and I had no concerns about tending it to keep it going. It was blazing high, and he had already stacked a pile of wood nearby to feed it, as if planning to stay here for a while. Or maybe, it occurred to me, he was thinking that I would want to stay for a while here with him. I can lock these ones, but I need you to do the last one, my father said, putting the handcuffs around his ankles and wrists. He snapped them shut and locked them with a key. I noticed they hung loosely around his wrists, and he could easily escape them. But maybe, just maybe, a voice in my mind said, he would grow into them. Come on, we're running out of time, he said. And I noticed for the first time that the sun had set, and it would be dark soon. It was twilight now, and there was very little light remaining. An orange full moon was cresting large on the horizon. Normally I would argue with him, but I could tell he was serious and would be very upset if I tried. Feeling numb, I went over to the steel bracelet on his left wrist and locked it with the key he handed me. Then I stood back, surveying the strange scene. Mosquitoes were buzzing and landing on my neck, and I slapped at them, wishing I'd brought bug spray. They were landing on my dad, too but he didn't seem to notice them. It's gonna get ugly, he said. Whatever I do, don't try to help me. Don't try to assist me in any way. I'm gonna look like I'm in pain, and I am gonna be in some pain, but it'll only last for a short while, and then I'll be myself again. I opened my mouth to say something and closed it again. What the hell could I say? And Dad... You don't have to do this. That's right. But whatever's happening to you, I'm sure it's not... A noise interrupted my speech, and I realized that it was the sound of clothing being torn. It was a shirt. The skin underneath was bulging and growing like a tumorous lump. But then it smoothed out and spread, turning into a growing ripple of muscle. It stretched down the length of his left arm, hairs bristling out from his skin along the way, following the path of its growth. His left arm now fit snugly in the handcuff, which I had assumed was too large for him. He winced and bared his teeth from a sudden pain, letting out a low noise. I reached forward to put my hand on his shoulder. Get back! He roared, and his voice sounded different now, lower and thicker, like the growl of a dog. I stumbled backwards, startled and terrified, and tripped over a branch, landing hard on my back. My head whipped into a rock and bounced up and down a couple times before setting itself in the dirt. Pain bloomed back there, and I saw stars exploding throughout the darkness of my vision. It's possible I passed out momentarily, or for more than a few minutes. When I opened my eyes, all I could think about was the sharp ache in the back of my skull. I reached back to feel the warmth of blood on my hand and held it up to my face to see how bad it was, but it was too dark to tell. I looked down to see my head had collided with a rock which had been embedded into the forest floor. The stars were out in the night sky above, but they were not as visible due to the brightness of the full moon and the canopy of swaying tree branches above. Struggling to rise to my feet, I looked to see a creature which appeared to be a werewolf. "'Chains to a tree nearby. "'It stirred on its hind legs, "'flexing and straining against the chains "'which bound it to the tree. "'It snapped its teeth and fixed its eyes on me. "'The dirt at the base of the tree buckled and crumbled, "'as if he might lift the whole thing out from the dirt. "'But the roots held firm, "'and a second later, the creature relaxed slightly, "'its snout sniffing at the air, "'smelling my blood on the wind. "'Dad?' I whispered, moving closer to it. Is that really you? Are you still in there? The creature standing on two legs was covered in thick, wiry fur, gray streaked with white, just like my dad's beard. And when I looked into his eyes, I could see something familiar there, a glimmer in them. But then the beast was snapping its jaws and aggressively growling at me. Pulling on its chains as it tried to break free once again. It was too much to look at, too much to bear after the news I had been given. All of this was too much. It was making me feel sick just thinking about how much my life had changed in a few short hours. I slowly backed away and went towards the fire, grateful when the sound of growling began to recede, and eventually went away altogether. Drowned out by the crackling of the flames and the wind in the trees, the bonfire was jittering despite my dad's excellent construction of it. I got the feeling I'd been out for a while, judging by the moon and the stars in the sky above. At least it was still going enough that I could coax it back to life. I fed a few more logs onto it and some smaller kindling beneath it, then began to blow on the embers until the dry wood caught a light. Within a few moments, it was roaring again, and I was holding my hands up to the blaze to warn them. They were still shaking, and my teeth were still chattering from fear and numb shock. But I was starting to settle down a little bit. My father was a werewolf. It didn't seem real, but there it was. There he was. All I needed to do was look over at him to confirm I wasn't dreaming. This was real. I decided to dig around in my dad's bag to see if he'd brought anything to drink. Sure enough, there were hot dogs and cold sodas, just waiting for me to find them. Cracking one open, I glanced at my dad, the dog man out of the corner of my eye. He'd settled back against the tree, as if resigned to his fate. But I thought I could sense an occasional movement, as if he were still testing the restraints. Something else caught my eye at the bottom of the bag, and I took it out to examine it in the light of the fire. Journal, the cover of the book read. A sticky note was attached to the front of it, which I pulled off to read in the light. Hope this helps, Dad. It was his journal, I realized, and he wanted me to read it. I opened it and began to read from the first page as my father struggled and growled in his chains a little ways away. Still trembling with terror, I held the pages close to the fire and began to read, hoping to learn the secrets of my family's curse. Instead, what I found was a record of my father's life, and a startling picture of what my own grim existence would soon look like. January 10th. 2001. It finally happened. For years he warned me, and yet still I was not prepared for this. How could anyone hope to be prepared for this? Those people. Someone died by my own hands. The newspaper called it an animal attack, and that is not too far from the truth. When I am in that form, I am all instinct and anger, completely unable to form rational thoughts. This does not excuse my lack of preparation. My father told me to prepare, but I used my grief as an excuse to forget. I will go to hell for the things I have done. There is no doubt in my mind about that. Heaven has no place for a man who can tear apart a woman with his bare teeth. Next time, I will be more careful. For the next few weeks, I will need to devise a plan. I will need to speak to Uncle Horace. He promised to help me but I do not know how he will manage to do so if he suffers from the same affliction. Still, at the very least, he may be able to give me some advice. Until next time, G.H. I read a few more pages, then realized the fire needed to be fed, and stood up to grab more wood. As soon as I did, I heard a loud growling noise from behind me, where my father was chained to the tree. He pulled against the restraints again, and I thought I saw something crack. A piece of tree splintering and coming loose. But then he settled back again, and I realized it was nothing of consequence. Just a piece of bark that had come loose. Or so I thought. After stroking the fire and letting it burn for a while, warming my hands against the heat of the flames, I settled back into reading. February 9th, 2001. It worked. The chains held fast, and the manacles were large enough to keep my wrists secure without injuring myself. My arms are sore and my shoulders ache, but at least my conscience is clean, knowing I did everything in my power to prevent disaster. Damn this belt. I wish I could get rid of it. I wish I could just throw it in the ocean and let the tide take it away. But Uncle Horace warned me not to. If I do... Then someone else will find it, and who knows what they might do with this power, if left unchecked. The world would be safer without us in it. G.H. It was sad to think that my father had help, but I would have none. If this condition was really passed on to me, I would be the last one in our family to be afflicted with it. I had no kids and wasn't planning on having any and my great-uncle Horace and all the other men in my family had passed away. I was the last man in the Hamburg line, and that meant the family secret would die with me, assuming I could keep it a secret. It also meant that once my father passed away, there would be no one around to help me with this curse. No one to guide me like Uncle Horace had guided him. The journal I was holding was all I had, aside from the advice of my father and he didn't have much time left by the sounds of it. Something made a loud, cracking sound in the forest behind me, and I stood up and turned around. I saw the vague outline of a person, just a smudge of shadow among the trees, and then heard the air whistling behind me as something large and heavy came swinging at my head. I don't remember it hitting me, only the pain I felt afterwards. The fire was in front of me when I blinked my eyes open, but the flames were blurry and ill-defined. My head was spinning and my ears were ringing as I tried to focus on the man in front of me who was speaking. He snapped his fingers once, twice, three times, as if trying to get me to pay attention. There we go, wakey-wakey, he said, grinning. Nice job, fellow hunter. Sorry to blindside you like that, but we had to be sure. Uh, rumor added there's some six freaks around here who are friendly with these creatures. Um... I groaned, trying to form words. What are... Who are you? I looked around to see more men nearby, all dressed in camouflage. Hunters, he said. Dog man Hunters. Shit. I looked over to where Dad was chained up. There were two men taking pictures of him with their cell phones while he growled and snapped his teeth at them. Nowhere near as accomplished as you, though, the man's friend said. I've seen a few of them, but never caught one and chained it up. Damn, dude, how'd you manage that? I tried to think of a lie. My head was still spinning, though and I was having trouble thinking straight. Hey Dave, check this out. One of the guys near my father sat, pointing at the belt around his waist. I stood up on shaky legs and wandered over to join the group of them. Yeah, it's weird. He was wearing that belt when I found him. I muttered, trying to think of what words to say on the flight. How'd you manage to subdue this beast, brother? One of the men asked. He was tall, with a long black beard, wearing plaid and a black jacket. Almost looks like a prior arrangement to me. The group of them turns to look at me suspiciously. A prior arrangement? I asked. What's that even mean? This brought more murmurs from the group, and heard a few unkind whispers about my true allegiance. Where's your gear, your rifle and all your equipment? A louder grumbling began to rise up from the men as a few of them began to move towards me. Is this your journal? A voice from behind me asked, reading through it aloud. All of my family's secrets suddenly being spoken out into the world for this whole group of men to hear. He's one of them. Someone said. We can't let him go. He's like him, a beast from hell. Two of them grabbed me from behind while the one holding the journal marched over. "'waving the book in his hand. "'I asked you a question,' he said, "'smacking me on the forehead with a leather-bound book. "'Is this yours?' "'I stared at him defiantly, "'the whole time watching my father out of the corner of my eye. "'He was still pulling on the restraints, testing them, "'straining against them with all of his might. "'The tree was bending against his efforts, "'the trunk splintering and cracking. "'My father's.' "'I spat.' Looking behind him fully now, at the creature chained to the tree. It belongs to my father. There was grumbling amongst the group members, and then, finally, one of them spoke up loudly. We'll kill him both. Even if he's not one of them, he's got it in his blood. It's only a matter of time before he goes through the transformation. Grab him. Don't let him get away. I turned to run, but it was too late. They were already on me. One of the men tackled me, pinning me to the ground, while another approached me with a pistol. He cocked it, then aimed at my head. Silver bullets, mate. And myself. The cold steel of the barrel was pressed up against my forehead, digging into my skin. Any last words, like it? I tried to speak, but all that came out was a whimper. I wasn't ready to die. There was so much more I wanted to do in life. All of my dreams and plans for the future, all of my brightest memories and the faces of my loved ones flashed before my eyes, and I waited for the bullets that would end my life. Yes, not. Nah. I felt the man tense up as he was about to pull the trigger. And then something broke. A loud crack erupted from nearby. Chains rattled and shook, steel snapped. And then there was screaming from all around. I opened my eyes to look around and saw a bloodbath. The men who had been surrounding me were being slaughtered by a grey streak that moved faster than anything I'd seen before. It was a blur of movement, stopping for a second to disembowel a hunter, then swiftly moving on to the next. Blood erupted into the air to my left, and then my right. A fountain, a geyser, as men's throats were ripped out and their arms detached, and they tried to fight back ineffectually. It was like watching ants trying to fight against a man. They stood no chance. The man who had been ready to shoot me was the last one alive. He held his gun with both hands, trying to keep it steady in his trembling hands. Each time the creature passed, he tensed up and got ready to fire, But an instant later, it was moving again, a blur streaking to the air, reappearing somewhere else before he could get a shot off. I realized the creature was toying with him as the beast grinned, showing its many long, sharp teeth. When he finally did manage to shoot at the beast, each bullet missed wildly. He backed away, stumbling and falling over a tree trunk. The man crab walked backwards trying to find the gun he had dropped among the fallen leaves. The giant wolf creature came towards him, growling low and deep. Stay back, the man shouted, finding his gun. I'll shoot you. Get back. Get the fuck back. He pulled the trigger again. It fired once, then made several dry, clicking noises. As he continued to squeeze the trigger, the revolver empty. The creature lunged at him. The man's screams were loud and awful, and I turned my head away so I wouldn't be forced to watch. Eventually, he was quiet, and I could no longer make a noise. For a few minutes, all I could hear was the wet sounds of blood being spilled and teeth working to chew through muscle and bone. When I opened my eyes and looked up, there was the face of a large wolf in front of me, staring right at me. I couldn't help but notice those teeth, long and white, coming to points that could crush a skull. For a moment, I thought I would die, that this form of my father would not recognize me. Its giant, bloody maw came down towards me, and I cringed backwards, the smell of coppery entrails wafting out from its gullet. But instead of teeth snapping shut on my face, a soft, oversized tongue licked my cheek and then the warmth of an enormous dog settled down on the forest floor beside me. His breathing was too fast and too heavy, I realized, as I felt the warmth of blood soaking through my shirt. The hunter's last bullet had gotten him. I saw the wound as I sat up to look at him beside me. His eyes were wide and locked with mine, his mouth open and panting. Dad no I stroked the soft fur of his cheeks and pressed my face against his I kissed his forehead and watched as he closed his eyes and his breathing slowed then stopped after a long while I stood up to find a bloodbath all around me dead hunters whose families and friends would soon be looking for them I threw their phones into the blazing fire Hoping the pictures they had taken of my father had not been uploaded to the cloud. I looked down to see the journal had been burnt to embers in the fire. The hunter had dropped it into the blaze before he was torn to shreds. One last insult. One last attack. I had nothing left to show me the way now. I went back home to get a shovel and began to dig. It took a long, Long time to make a pit big enough to bury all those bodies. When I was done, I felt exhausted, but I knew there was still more to do. I took my dad's belt and fixed it around my waist, sending it through the loops of my pants and then looking down at the silver wolf head on the buckle. As I reached down to pick up my father's lifeless corpse, now human again, I found I had more strength than ever before. His body weighed almost nothing. I knew how to get home, and I carried my father back to see the crying eyes of my mother waiting at the door, as if she had known all along. It's been about a month since all this happened. My dad's funeral was a couple weeks back, and it surprised me again how little of my family is still left alive. No men were there to see him off. Only the women of the family remained. They complimented me on how well I was handling everything, how mature I'd become. And they said how good I look wearing my father's old belt. That ancient family heirloom which nobody wants, as if it's cursed. I have no one to help me now, no one to guide me, but I've been preparing for the next full moon. I found a sturdy tree, bigger than the last, Deeper in the wilderness of the forest, and I've fixed it with manacles and thick steel chains. I'm watching the calendar, ready for the next full moon. I'm terrified of what will come next, but after reading my father's journal, I refuse to make the same mistake he did. I may be a monster now, but I will not allow myself to turn into a cold blooded killer, unless I chance upon another dog man hunter wandering alone in the forest.